millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com which is spelled s-u-d-i-o sweden.com and simply put in the code d-t-d when purchasing a pair of headphones hello and welcome to mid-atlantic the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the atlantic generally from the perspective of the other i'm a rather busy royfield brown I'm sat in the Golden Bay area on the west coast of the United States. Today, I'm joined by the always funny liberal redneck Corey Forrester in Chickamauga, Georgia. Hey, wait a minute, Corey. Isn't that the place of the big uh, Civil War battle? It was, yeah. Chickamauga, the Battle of Chickamauga was the bloodiest two-day battle of the entire Civil War. And uh, some people actually say, what do you mean, bloodiest two-day battle? It's still going on down here. How could it be two days? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, didn't you get your asses kicked by Grant? Uh, Not in that battle. In the war, absolutely. But everyone down here will will, uh, be the first to tell you, yeah, we may have lost the war, but by God, we won that battle, which frankly is like, you know, Hillary Clinton bragging about winning the primaries at this point because uh, it, <laughs> it ultimately did not matter. And honestly, thank God, even though I'm from the South, you know, not a huge fan of the Confederates and their beliefs. Well, we have uh, Mr. Corey Forrester on the show to give us his take on the last week in American politics. In a week that has seen the president involved in a scandal with a porn star of which pornography is the least disgusting thing about it. We document the new normal that is American politics. I was in a parking lot going to a fitness class with my infant daughter and a guy walked up on me and said to me, 
leave Trump alone, forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, it's a beautiful little girl, it'd be a shame if something happened to her mom. And then he was gone. You took it as a direct threat? Absolutely. Corey, were you part of the two, 22 million Americans that watched Sunday night 60 Minutes to see Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, and Anderson Cooper talk about her alleged affair with Donald Trump? You know, I know you're going to want me to say, yes, I was, especially in terms of we're going to talk about it. But no, I wasn't. I didn't actually watch it live. What? You, you, you didn't want to hear about the spanking and the threats of physical violence? and the No, I, I, I spend my Sunday nights watching Stormy Daniels on her other mediums. <laughs> <laughs> I, still watch Stormy, I still watch Stormy Daniels, but not being interviewed. <laughs> well, you like to watch her being interrogated, but in another way. Yeah, I'm a big fan of her work. <laughs> You are? Yeah, for um, sure. What the, what was the highlight of her cinematic career then? Uh, just, you know, she uh, makes herself completely vulnerable and is always there for me at three o'clock in the morning when nobody else is. <laughs> well, she helps you when you're out on the road. So she does. Speak. She does very um, much so. Why do you think this scandal isn't bringing down your president? Uh, well, I mean, at present... Well, number one, I don't think it, it, he's proven and and his supporters have proven for the past, good God, almost two years that it's really good. I don't know what he would have to do. I don't know if he'd have to physically spit on the Bible and have people see him do that. But I know how they would spin it. They'd be like, well, he was trying to clean it. You know, it was <laughs> it was it was dirty and he was trying to clean. It. I really don't know. The one thing that I will say that I you know, in their defense is, you know, this didn't happen uh, during his presidency. So that's one mm-hmm. thing that that's one thing I can take away from. It, and I will agree with those people. It's like, look, yeah, let's say he did do this. It had, it wasn't during his presidency. It wasn't in the oval office like Bill Clinton did, uh, which I still maintain was fine. You know, Bill Clinton was under a lot of stress. Do what you do, baby. But you know, <laughs> th- this was years ago. And I, I guess, uh, we just need to, you know, us as liberals need to sometimes turn the other cheek, take a tip from Jesus and forgive and forget, I guess. <laughs> which, which cheek is uh, Stormy Daniels turning? Both of them at the same time, very fast. Do you think evangelical, evangelicals, do you think evangelicals um, are abandoning their God-fearing principles for mm-hmm. A kind of short-term perceived political advantage. You know, you know, they're like, this guy's got his flaws, but we've got Neil Gorsuch and all these other conservative justices sure. because of Trump. I do, but I don't think this is the first time they've abandoned their uh, morals. I think they've they've abandoned them long time ago because they're, you know, they want to talk about liberals being in the pocket of of lobbyists and like, you know, abortion clinics and whatnot. But these like these people like when, you know, I guess rest his soul, Billy Graham, who just died for years. He was one of the most, in my opinion, dangerous men in America because the the leader of the uh, basically the Southern Baptist Convention is an insane powerful position and even though as a preacher you're not supposed to ever really let your politics influence your message they absolutely do tongue-in-cheek a lot of times and no i think these people abandoned their morals a long time ago and at this point uh 
yeah, for some reason, it's okay to be a racist, misogynistic, uh, xenophobic, nationalist asshole as long as you think, you know, maybe gay people shouldn't get married. And that's another thing, too. That That's what bothers me about the whole thing. I don't give a shit what Trump did. I could care less if he hooked up with a porn star yesterday. I'm sick of the hypocrisy that comes with this is the party of family values and Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren and all these people want to have gay people get married and ruin the sanctity of marriage. But then when Trump sticks it to some porn star while he was married with children, they're like, well, you know, at least it didn't happen uh, while he was in the Oval Office. We're supposed to forgive him. So if Trump's morality is not a disqualification for him to be the president of the United States and his out and out sexism, racism, competence and obvious lack of intelligence aren't when and how do you think the evangelical right might actually turn against this president? What would it take other than spitting on the Bible? I really don't. Honestly, at this point, because I know these people and especially the ones in the South, we're a very stubborn group. And I used to be I wasn't an evangelical type person, but I did go to church. And you just you can't talk to people who's basically the very definition of faith is that you turn a blind eye to logic and reasoning. So if your entire life is based on, look, I don't care what facts say, I go by my heart and I go by what's in the Bible. If you're already conditioned to not care about facts, you're going to let that leak into every aspect of your life. And that's what they're doing right now. I don't think we're ever going to see a day where you can convince them uh, to do anything for that reason, uh, by reason and logic, the only thing that's going to pull us out of this is the effect of the midterm voting and the rest of America waking up and going, all right, we th- these people aren't the majority. It's just that we didn't turn out to vote because we weren't as scared of them as we should have been. But I, I really don't think that you're going to convince them to do anything that they don't want to do. Do you think maybe, though, Corey, though, this is the fact that us liberals forget about one specific tenant of christianity which is forgiveness and actually the fact that you know trump can do all this stuff and it's forgiveness is at the core of the bible isn't it yeah well it should be yeah but i suppose though if we're gonna if they're gonna want to forgive trump he needs actually to tweet and admit his relationship with miss daniels doesn't he then that's when you get forgiveness yeah he would they can't forgive him for something they flat out refuse to believe that he did let me understand because i'm just uh, a dumb englishman in any wondrous country, right? So um, isn't this backing of Trump by the evangelical right fundamentally just identity politics? The thing that the right always kind of says that the liberals, the left is always about, because it's not about the fact that he's done all this stuff. They just see him as their guy because bound up with this evangelicalism as a label is... I'm going to say soft white nationalism. I'm not saying it's overt racism, but it's a case of this is white America, isn't it? Yeah, it it 100% is. And for some reason, everybody that backed Trump uh, and he ran on a whole, I mean, the whole politically correctness and you can't say this and you can't say that. There's so many white people in this country that feel right now that they're being oppressed. I see on Twitter so many times, you know, the worst thing you can be in America right now is a straight white male. And I got to tell you, as a straight white male, 
that could not be further from the truth. Uh, the only thing that bothers me on a daily basis is reading people say that on Twitter and my head wants to explode, but that's just because I'm a logical thinking person. What these people fail to understand is that basically what's happening is for the first time in America, they are getting treated closer to equal than they ever have been. They're still not. They are still, by the way, the top brass. The straight white man still has it better in America than any other person. But every all the liberal ideology is, is like, look, black people deserve a chance. Gay people deserve a chance. Transgender people deserve a chance. And so I can't remember the quote, but it's uh, the um, equality to the privilege seems like oppression. And that's all that is, is that now they're maybe not as easily being able to get away with things that they constantly have gotten away with. And they're going, Oh, I'm a victim. No, you're not. You're not a victim. We're just trying to even uh, the playing field a little bit. And I know that seems horrible, but that's just how it is. Well, let's move on, but let's keep the victim, uh, the victim mentality thing up. There's been a lot of victims, a lot of white men, have got the bullet in Trump's cabinet in sure. the first year. Haven't they? There's been what some thirty-four percent of people have uh, either lost their job yeah. or have been shuffled, and and that was as of January, yeah. right, which is some four times more than in Obama's first term. Um, we've now got John Bolton, another oppressed white man. And uh, Mike Pompeo, mm-hmm. uh, the new appointments for Trump's team. They're both hawkish. They're both like bellicose language. Should we just buckle up now for the forthcoming war? I mean, I, it feels that way, especially with John Bolton. I, I don't know as much about uh, the, the other feller, admittedly. But, I mean, John Bolton, if I'm not mistaken, this is like the fourth Republican president that he's worked under. Am I correct in that? I think so. Like, I feel uh, like he, yeah, well, he was in the Reagan administration, wasn't he? He, he could well have been, but uh, he was definitely around uh, the time of the last Bush. And I know he was there for his daddy, too. Mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could well be right. Yeah. You could well, well be right. He's definitely long in the tooth. And he likes to, like, drop bombs on, on countries, doesn't he? At least that's what he says rhetorically. Yeah. Yeah, and that really resonates with uh, Trump's base right now because th- he has preached that whole, you know, we're America. We're, obviously, we're going to make America great again. We're tough. If you don't like us, we're going to bomb the shit out of you. And, I mean, <laughs> that all sounds well and good in theory in terms of, you know, if you me- – I, I mean, I, I sort of feel the same way. Like, I, if I'm a redneck. If you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you back. But it seems Mm -hmm. terrifying because what these dudes are doing is it seems like I don't know if these people were really wanting to mess with us. But once you say all this crazy stuff, they definitely want to. It's like you don't pick a fight. If someone comes at your house and wants to screw with you, you know, stand your ground. But don't invite trouble to your doorstep. And that sounds like what's going on with a lot of this bullshit GOP rhetoric. But don't you think that Trump is now getting he says i'm now getting close to the cabinet that i want Mm -hmm. that that's going to mean that trump's going to be in a happier place and if trump's in a happier place with nice god-fearing we want to bomb the hell out of every other country around us which is full of brown people cabinet members if trump's in a happy place america be in a happy place we want trump to be happy don't we well i mean in a vacuum yes absolutely because i don't you know he seems like a very unhinged person who, uh, you know, his Twitter tirades do not reflect a man who is at peace with himself. Does that make sense? 
<laughs> no, very true. And, you know, as I, I can't remember if it was Clinton or it was Obama, but it says, you know, a man that can't keep his temper on Twitter is not somebody you want anywhere near that nuclear button. No. But hell, you guys, you know, elected him there. And uh, we're probably, what, five minutes away from, from nuclear Armageddon. When a guy who ended up becoming our national leader said, I can grab a woman anywhere and she likes it, and then said, I, I made a mistake, I didn't make a mistake, but they asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. I shouldn't have said that. But then I was told, that's just locker room talk. Well, I've been in a lot of rock locker rooms my whole life, and pretty damn good athlete. Any guy who talked that way was usually the fattest, ugliest SOB in the room. For real. You guys are athletes. You know what I'm talking about. In a recent poll, voters think that Uncle Joe Biden would win in a fistfight against Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Right now. So, so, Corey, let's just look at the facts here. Biden, 75, six foot tall. He comes in at 180 pounds. Trump, six foot two. So he's got two inches on him. But he puts the on the scales. This isn't true. He's much heavier than this. One hundred and ninety-eight. That's rubbish. He's two hundred and like forty pounds, right. isn't he? Who's going to take down who in a fight? I know who my my money would be on. I would be on Joe Biden with that with a hundred percent of all my money. And the reason is, is that Trump has never had to fight for anything in his entire life, and that means a lot. I mean, Joe Biden was in the service. His family was in the service. Uh, he's. I'm certain that Joe Biden has done some terrible things because, in my opinion, no matter who you are, in order to get to the top, you've stepped on some necks at least at some point, whether it be unintentional or not. But Joe Biden uh, didn't come from as much privilege as Trump did. Donald Trump, I mean, what the guy claimed bone spurs to get out of Vietnam. He doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to be pushed around. Joe Biden would take him in two seconds. But he, he, he does like a fight. But he likes his lawyers to do it for him, doesn't he? He does. He's he is an amalgamation of the people who voted for him. He's an internet troll. He is someone who says a lot of stuff because they know for a fact they will never have to directly deal with the consequences. He can say whatever he wants on Twitter. He can say whatever he wants in a press conference because at the end of the day, he's got secret service there. He's got lawyers. He's got uh, he's he's got a lot of people that are going to take that bullet for him. Uh, I meant that metaphorically, but it's also just true. So he doesn't really mm. ever have to. He can say whatever he wants. I wish I had that power, but I have to actually go out there in public. If I say something, somebody might punch me in the face. But you know what they used to do in, middle, in the Middle Ages? They used to, you know, you'd square up to yeah. somebody, like some lord was going to take you one. Yeah, but then they'd say, this is my champion. This person's actually going to fight for me. Yeah. So maybe, isn't Trump still friends with Mike Tyson or something? So he could maybe just say, <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. If <laughs> you stand in for me and take down old Uncle Joe Biden. Yeah, that makes actually a lot of sense. But I'm certain that Joe Biden uh, probably has some some pretty uh, hard hitting friends at the top, too, I would say. I would. You know what? I'd like that. And that's a good point that you bring up, because Trump uh, has several times during his presidency mentioned Andrew Jackson and an admiration for Andrew Jackson, uh, which is insane mm -hmm. because Andrew Jackson was a crazy person. But one thing that Andrew Jackson did that I have to respect is that when Andrew Jackson and somebody had a problem, 
even when he was president, he went out there himself and dueled with them. And I believe Andrew Jackson, I think he shot like two people while he was president. So if Trump wants to go full Andrew Jackson and be the old hickory of today's (laughs) America, please let him go out and duel with somebody. Because I guarantee you the only time Trump has ever shot a gun is at one of those those places that Dick Cheney used to go hunt where they just kind of let the birds out on the ground and they have a cage around them. So there's no way you're not going to be able to shoot them. I would love to see him. (laughs) That'd be awesome. The other thing that Andrew Jackson did, of course, is what, uh, because of um, him closing down the the first national bank of America, two years after his presidency, massive crash and and, and depression. So uh, do you think with all this kind of talk of tariff wars and whatever, that that's really what Trump is aiming for. He wants to go the full Jackson and ruin the American economy for the next eight, eight years going forward. I mean, I don't know that he does or not. That doesn't seem like that would benefit him that much. But at the same time, he's the type of guy that he's got so much money and he's got so much property that at this point he's kind of untouchable, which is like, that's to me, having that guy run your country, he's never going to have your best interest at heart just because he doesn't know what it is. You can tell him all day long, but he doesn't understand the coal miners' struggle, and he doesn't understand the struggle of someone who was working a factory job in the 90s, and that job got taken from NAFTA, and then their back was hurting, and they had to turn to pills, and now they're addicted, and their life is in complete shambles. He will never understand that, and you can't explain that to somebody like him. So I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's intentionally trying to ruin American uh, democracy and our and our finances, because I don't believe any president ever tried to do that, because what would that benefit? But I do think he is so ignorant and unwillful to learn that he may unintentionally do it. And at the end of the day, he doesn't really affect him. So who gives a shit? Mm. You're president, right? <laughs> I hate it when you say that, but technically, yes, he is. <laughs> No, it's not even technically actually. Actually, yeah. actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually is. Yeah. Now, he faces accusations of extramarital affairs. I don't know, accusations, just fact, mm-hmm. right? Mounting legal challenges, uh, whether it's to do with these affairs or whether it's to do with uh, Russia and Mueller and collusion. Yeah. And there's never ending turmoil amongst these White House staff. Yeah. But according to polls, as you Americans would say, he's had a little bit of an uptick. Yeah. How the hell, or more to the point, why, Corey, why? You're the vox populi of uh, fundamentally your, your, your demographic is the, you know, the quintessential backbone yeah. of, the, of course, Trump. Yeah. If not you personally. No, I know, but, it's, but you're not right. Explain this. Explain this. The only way that I know how to explain it and – You know, we wrote it in our book before he even got elected, and I still feel this way. And that's why, as a liberal, I try so hard to challenge myself when I am giving basic liberal talking points to at least kind of contort them to where they can uh, be accepted by people that sound like me that don't view things like me. The Trump's base. When, when liberals start talking about Trump's base, Hillary Clinton has, has done it a lot and it's been terrible. Immediately people go, they're stupid, they're backwoods, yada, yada, yada. As soon as you say anything like that, they stop listening to everything. And now they will do whatever this guy says, even if they don't necessarily believe in it, because what rednecks and what working class people love more uh, than someone actually being right is sticking it to people who are talking shit about them. We have a, we're a very chip on our shoulder, uh, type of people. And we already think that people think we're dumb. And then when liberals, 
and again, myself included, come right out and act all elitist and like, well, if these people were just educated, which some of them are educated, which is actually scarier than anything. The educated people that voted for Trump terrify me way more than someone who's been working in a coal mine their whole life. I understand why that guy wouldn't give a shit. But I mean, they get talked down to a lot. And at the end of the day, they avoid all these huge issues uh, that actually affect the country because they would rather, I don't know, they'd rather the liberals uh, go crying with their tails tucked in between their leg. It feels like a win for them. But let me understand something, right? So Trump's approval with Republicans has improved by six points uh-huh. from February, right? So that's 86%, right? Right. But he's still ridiculously unpopular. And you mentioned it before. You're looking at these midterm elections in November. It looks like it's going to be some kind of blue tsunami. So explain that uh, contradiction for me, sir. Well, the only way that I can explain the blue tsunami is simply, you know, back in, uh, oh, God, I think it was October or November when they did the the special election in Alabama, uh, the Roy Moore mm-hmm. versus Doug Jones. When that happened and Doug Jones won a, a Democratic seat in Alabama that was once held by Jeff Sessions, I knew then, I was like, all right, some people are waking up. And that's all it is right now is there were people who just simply didn't vote because, and I'll be honest, I think I may have told you this last time, the only reason that I voted, and now I, because I live in Georgia, it, which is not a swing state at all, I hope one day it is, but uh I first off, I mean, I, I, I was like, George is going to go for Trump. There's no way he's not. I'm wasting my vote. Then I found out that it was uh, possible through research for people to find out if you voted or not. And I was like, well, that'd be a hell of a thing <laughs> for people to find out that I just didn't go vote, period. But I think there's a lot of people like me who just didn't vote because some of them thought, well, there's no way Trump's going to win. I don't have to do this shit. And now they've seen what apathy can do and they're terrified and there have been some big movements. And there was a lot of people who... Uh, in my opinion, there wasn't as big people thought, well, when Bernie doesn't get the nominee, they'll all vote for Hillary. And that just simply wasn't true. A lot of those people were like, well, you know what? I I liked Bernie because he wasn't a hardline Democrat. I'm actually going to go vote for Trump because at least just like Bernie, he's shaking up the status quo. And I mean, I don't know. That's Republicans don't like Trump because he doesn't play ball with them. I think he'll probably start to once it gets in his pocket a little bit more. But the the only thing I can explain is the blue tsunami, and that is people waking up and going, my God, we've made a huge mistake. We have to do something. Someone get the lifeboats. <laughs> um, talking about huge mistakes. Last time you were on, Corey, we talked about guns yep. and um tried to understand the cultural phenomenon which is america and it, and its love of firearms yeah. which is backed up by a certain interpretation of the second amendment so obviously when we last spoke that was before the school shooting in florida now we now have march for our lives well we had march for our lives last weekend yeah that we, we talked about uh, 12 mass shootings ago yeah and possibly ju- during just us recording this show there's probably a 13th yeah somewhere. that's unfortunate very um, true do you think that the kids who are behind the eloquent uh, spokesman for this new movement will actually break the back of the NRA. Is this going to be a sea change in America? I don't think necessarily that these people, these children will, 
but what they're doing and the movement that they're starting will eventually do that, if that makes sense. Just like um, the death of Emmett Till didn't win the civil rights battle, but it sparked it and it made people wake up that should wake up. And ultimately, we got a Martin Luther King Jr. out of that, if that makes sense. I think what they're doing is insanely important. And I think, and I think honestly, and I've said this before, I said this before the Parkland shooting. And then when this happened, those kids have uh, sort of validated me. I believe that they are going to be the greatest generation that I've ever seen. And uh, they have the capability to do that. And if they're led in the right direction, that this is going to be something that my kids will be reading about, hopefully with a smile on their face in uh, history books. Have you noticed since coming back from tour and being back in Chickamauga in Georgia that um, the conversation has changed locally around guns? Well, if I can be honest with you in terms of actually talking to people, uh, I haven't really I've been home for a week. And before that, I was on the road for like two months. I haven't really left my house because I've been so tired (laughs) and so busy with stuff. Uh, But from what I see on Facebook, which is how I keep up with these people, the conversation has only gotten louder and no, it hasn't changed in terms of how these people view it. If anything, it seems like people are more pro guns now, which is the thing that has bothered me at the absolute most is that if you disagree with Emma Gonzalez and David Hogg, that's totally fine. You're allowed to disagree with them. And you've proven before that several mass shootings isn't going to change your mind. The thing that's bothered me is how they are treating, at least online, these kids. They're looking at people who have actually been in a situation that was terrifying. They're looking at people who were actually victims of a mass shooting, and they are calling them crisis actors. They're calling them media whores. They're doing the the same lame bullshit joke about, oh, yeah, we're supposed to listen to these kids when last week they were eating Tide Pods. And it's just the same bullshit. And to me, I don't understand that. Like, Even if you are someone who likes guns, how can you have the capacity to be such an asshole that you look at a child who lost friends due to guns and call them liars and crisis actors and pussies and kids who need a safe space. They do. We do need a safe space. The safe space used to be the classroom, but now you can't even go there. So I don't want to hear it. And I'm and that's how, unfortunately, people in my area are acting. It's disgusting. We've almost, I, I almost feel that we've come philosophically kind of full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, at the top of the show, we talked about evangelicals and is it their faith per se that uh, makes them back Trump? No, but it's part of a, an identikit. Um, it's an element of, ide- of an identikit version of what they see as being American. Yeah. So... Um, Bibles, and dare I say it, maybe Obama was right. It's guns and Bibles, isn't it? And that is absolutely key to how some people see themselves as uniquely American. So it doesn't matter what the tragedy and how eloquent, eloquent, sorry, somewhat ironic that I got that word (laughs) wrong, uh, how eloquent the the, the spokesperson and how young and how innocent they are, there could be 17-year-old high school students, but if they're even just questioning this one key element of your identity, got to take yeah, them now down. That, well, now they're stupid kids. You know, When they do that, they're stupid kids. If it was kids sitting there uh, talking about how Donald Trump was the greatest, they would say, oh, look at the, the future we're going to have. These are great children. It's just – and everybody does it. 
you know, we want our own bias. We want confirmation bias for everything. But I'm just so sick of the, well, these stupid kids and kids these days. Let me tell you something right now that I know to be a fact because my dad's in advertising and thus I have studied old advertising magazines. Every single generation thinks that the generation below them is a fucking moron. World War II, which in America we consider <laughs> the greatest generation of all time, I promise you their parents thought they were the dumbest motherfuckers that ever lived. And then, you know, they went out and won a goddamn war, and we consider them the greatest generation ever. The hippies of the 70s that we now look back to that started a movement and started a movement for equal rights and acceptance and inclusion for everybody – their parents, the Don Drapers of the world, thought they were the biggest dumbasses that ever lived. My parents thought I was the biggest dumbass that ever lived. And the people nowadays think these kids are the biggest dumbasses that ever lived. But history will continue and always has proven that every generation gets smarter because that's how technological advances and education works. That's just how it is. And when you're someone sitting here telling a kid that they don't have the right to talk about gun control and that kids these days are stupid, you are laughing in the face of advantage. And I'm sorry, but one day you're going to be considered a dinosaur if you're not already now. And your generation needs to die for us to make progress. And one day, sadly, that will be the same for my generation. I just pray to God that I have an open enough mind not to look like the people look like today yelling at these kids. At least the Don Draper generation wore great suits and looked really smart. They did. They certainly did. That's another thing that cracks me up is I'll see a, there's this meme going on today uh, that's like it'll show a picture of Don Draper and it said men in the 60s and then it'll show a guy in a dress and it's like men nowadays and you can just do a quick Google search and find pictures of men in suits these days and go back to 1890 and see Napoleon wearing something that looks like tights. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's just, we can pick and choose everything, but at the same time, there's still very much real men out there. And there's always been men who were maybe a little bit more in touch with their feminine side. And that's not a bad thing. Cause if those people didn't exist, we would never have the song, you know, bridge over troubled water. <laughs> you so. know what? You're completely onto something there, Corey, because weren't all your you so? founding fathers kind of cross dresses? They're all wearing powdered wigs. Of course. They're all wearing wigs. They wore powdered wigs and they wore makeup and they wore pantyhose. And their biggest thing, if you study back to the old Williamsburg days, they used to pick women up by how their calf muscles looked. They used to like trim their leg hair and make sure their calf, mu- they, they wanted their legs to look really good. It's, they wore false <laughs> teeth. They wore veneer. It, there's been this going on. If you look back at country music, George Jones used to have Tammy Wynette do his hair every day. He wore hairspray in his hair. If you do that, all oh, these sissies with their with their hair gels and blah, blah, blah. Back in the day, men used to care about their hair too. It's called keeping up appearances. There's nothing not manly about wanting to look good when you go out. To me, that is a man. A man takes care of himself and grooms himself. Mm. Tell you, I was telling somebody this anecdote just the other day. But when those Vikings, so this is right, the year, the year 10,000, read this great book years ago called The Year uh, 1000, not 10,000, 1000, sorry, okay. right? So so the, the Vikings are coming over to England and raping and pillaging, right? The Anglo-Saxon women were quite happy uh-huh. for those Vikings to be coming over and are raping and pillaging because, you know what? The Vikings used to wash once a week. Every Saturday, it was traditional for Viking men to go into the river and wash their bodies and wash their hairs, uh, wash their hair. And Anglo-Saxon men didn't do that. 
So there you、uh-huh. go. Vikings, the most roughy, toughy、um, epitome of manhood, and they washed, and they wore、uh, eyeliner and eyeshadow. You're damn right. But they also raped, so that's pretty bad. But yeah, they at least took care of themselves. <laughs>、um, Corey, as always, it's great having you on the show. But now we're going to go on to this bit of the show, which we, which I call the takeaways of the week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it to get thirty, thirty. Have it to get thirty. Have it to get twenty, twenty, twenty. Have it to get twenty, twenty. Have it to get fifteen, 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 fifteen. Just fifteen bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All、right, I'll do.、It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile. dot com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. This month's Agora Network featured podcast is American Biography, a podcast by Thomas Daly, which is dedicated to examining the lives of important and influential, but less discussed Americans who played an integral, if underappreciated, role in the evolution of the United States. Now, Thomas is somebody who I'm somewhat in awe of. He has got a brain the size of a planet. And he's a rather clever and engaging speaker. So, if you want to delve into American history, and don't just do the you know the big rock stars of it, your Roosevelts and your Lincolns and your Washingtons,、um, I re- highly recommend this podcast. It's called American Biography. Go and find it on a podcatcher of your choice. So, Corey. Um, you've been out on the road, and I know it's hard for, for you,、uh, you comedians and stuff. You're away from home, but tell us what has been your takeaway of the last seven days. Lift our spirits, sir. My takeaway from the last seven days has been it has a lot to do with me being on the road and me being stressed. And、um, so I come home after being on the road for about three and a half weeks or something like that. And I've had shows and I'm I'm writing some scripts and I've got some sketches that I'm having to turn in and I'm absolutely out of my mind stressed. And I get home and、uh, I have this habit of bottling all that up and then accidentally taking it out on my family members. And、uh, I was talking with my lovely fiance Amber, and I was going, "Well, you don't understand, you know. I've got this going on, and I've got this going on, and blah 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 blah." And she just stopped me and she said, "You know, the world、uh, doesn't pause when you leave." 
And that really affected me because I'm in my own head so much because I'm so busy that everything is about me. And at the end of the day, every single person, no matter who they are, has their own stresses in life that they deal with. Just because you're dealing with something doesn't mean they're also not dealing with something. And I think we tend to dump everything onto people assuming that their lives are a lot easier than ours. And that's just not the case. So what I took away from this week is, you know what, Corey? You're no more important than any son of a bitch on this planet and you need to get your shit together. (laughs) Um, My takeaway of the last seven days is just fundamentally how small this world is now i can't forget Mm -hmm. what the i I can't remember what the diameter of the world is but there's somewhat seven billion human beings on this planet okay now i was brought up in a town called birmingham in the uk i then moved to to london in the uk um worked for a little time there my children now live in uh, toronto in canada and i live in san francisco okay now my daughter called me yesterday. She went, Daddy, 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 look, I'm going to send you a picture. Tell me who this is, right? Is this Tate, Tate Charles? And I looked at it and I went, I think so. And this is how small the world is. So 20 plus years ago, whilst I was in London, I worked by happenstance with a lovely person called Donna. And I forget her surname at the, at the time. We worked together for a year. I remember we went to the movies together purely as friends, as work colleagues, and we saw the film Seven together. So whenever that came out, it was about 1996, that's when we were working together. Okay. As you do, you you, you leave your job, you drift. But through the... the, And then Facebook kind of comes along, and you can kind of keep tabs with people. So um, Donna then emigrates to Canada some 10 12 years after that but just as he's emigrating i discover that she's married a guy uh called mark charles who only went to the school next door to mine in my hometown of birmingham and i go i know that guy and he goes hey i i kind of know you and we have we know so many people in common they go and live in 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 you know in in toronto together I go and visit her with my seven-year-old daughter and she has this burgeoning family. Um, there's like four or five kids and whatever. And we take two pictures of this visit. I then go off to San Francisco. My kids live in another bit of Toronto. The two kids now happen to be going to the same arts uh, art school for, for creative wow. kids and they discover this randomly by looking at these pictures. And they're like, wait a minute, that's me. That's you. And whatever. And it just absolutely blows my mind that it doesn't matter how many thousands of miles I can move across this globe. We are still connected by those six degrees of, of separation. And actually, those six degrees of separation are much, much, much smaller. So yesterday, she was saying, I cannot believe this, Daddy. You do not understand. Tate and I are like best friends. He's doing musical theatre. I'm doing fine art and whatever. And she showed me all these pictures of them together. And they'd been friends for nine months, not realising how well their parents had known each other from Birmingham uh, and from London and going back over a period of some 20, 30 years. But that's how small the planet Earth is. Corey. That's absolutely amazing. 
it's been wonderful having you on the show sir why don't you tell people uh, i know you're back at home at the moment in georgia but when you back out on the road give us a couple of tour dates so possibly people want to catch up with you that can go along and see you live I am back on the road this Friday at the Howlin' Wolf in New Orleans. And after that, I'm not off for another week, but I'll be in Los Angeles, California, shooting a short film for a week. Then after that, we hit the road. and I'll Yeah, in Hollywood. Yeah, man. God damn. So I'll be honest with you. After that, we're I'm going to be gone the entire month of April, but you'll just have to go to my website, uh, wellreadcomedy, W-E-L-L-R-E-D, comedy.com, and uh, check out the dates. We're booked right now all the way through September, and we're coming to, uh, I believe, 44 states and Canada, so we're going to be everywhere. Mm. And what are your social media bona fides if people want to follow you on Twitter or Facebook or whatever? Twitter is at Corey R. Forrester, and then uh, on Facebook, I'm just Corey Ryan Forrester, or as I tell people, you just type me in on Google, shit comes up. <laughs> and of course, folks, you can follow me on Twitter where I'm at Roy Fields, which is spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Uh, though I'm poor on the platform. Also, you can catch up with the progress of the show where I sporadically tweet where we are at Mid-Atlantic Show also on the Twitters. We do have a Facebook page. It's kind of tumbleweed because I don't really do much with it. But hey, why don't you go and show us some love? Remember, we are the mouthpiece for the do the right thing pinko lefty black life matters hashtag me too you know what there's too much violence in the world be understanding view of things this has been me royfield brown with my new best friend Corey forrester <laughs> i'm mid-atlantic take care see you all again soon that was fantastic man i had a blast thank you very much i said a lot of things that i didn't know i meant <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.